One of the hallmarks of maturity is to let some of what seemed like your best hopes go, especially if the tide of life is actually taking them from you and turning your face in another direction. That's from What to Remember When Waking, a recording of an incredible talk by David White, which I will put a link to in the show notes. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Falling into Soul. I'm McCall Erickson, creator of this podcast and author of The Second Half of the Mountain, a guide to the more confusing alchemical processes many of us find ourselves going through after spiritual awakening. Because while awakening is merely the beginning of a much longer and complex process of initiation required to align with and live from the root of your being in all situations with all people at all times. As a diehard explorer of life, love, and inner alchemy, I am ever delighted to be exploring in this space with you. Some of you regular listeners may have noticed that I haven't posted a new episode in a few months now, and I've really been itching to get back in here to give you an update and let you know what's going on. (laughs) as if I have some kind of handle on what's going on. Well, after I made my last episode in June, I sat down and fleshed out a bunch of different episodes that I wanted to make, and after a few weeks of working on them, tinkering on them, I just sat there looking at them, going, why doesn't any of this feel right? I I was hoping one of them would just jump out to be the one to be made next, but nothing really happened. None None of them would let me grab a hold of them. No matter what I tried, none of it felt like flow. Even though they were all really good, they were good ideas and they they were great words. They all said what I wanted them to say, but none of them had that extra oomph or X factor, that intangible feeling I've come to know and lean on as alignment. Simply put, the magic was missing. Even though I don't love when this happens, I know the feeling. It's the feeling of flow not being there, the feeling of flow not being where it used to be or where I think it should be. Oh, that intangible feeling of flow, that magic that can only be perceived through the subtle receptors. Where does it come from? It's so wild. It has a will and life of its own. It's the hardest thing to honor it at times because it's not something we can coerce or control. It's only something we can learn to recognize and receive. And while we can't control flow... I think sometimes we can override it. We can manufacture a surface sense that we are going with the flow. The ego is very tricky this way. The conscious mind or the ego knows what it wants and can easily plow over the subtleties of actual flow. And sometimes we can even want something with our hearts, be centered in our hearts with that wanting. We can be putting our whole heart into it but the subtleties of the magic still might not be there? That's a really tricky one when you think you're following your heart, and you very well may be, but the energies of what you're following aren't following you back? I mean, I've learned that I can show up to something with my whole heart, but that's not always enough. The magic, the flow, the wild flow of life in the soul, that has to be showing up too. This is actually one of the biggest learnings for me. The importance of reciprocity 
even when it comes down to reciprocity with life itself and reciprocity with my dreams. I can be following my heart where I think it's leading all day and night, but is what I'm showing up for showing up for me too? That's always the question for me. Is what I'm showing up for and what I want with my whole heart also showing up for me? All of this talk of flow actually reminds me of something a dear friend of mine said to me once, and it's always stuck with me. We were talking about flow, and she said, are you really going with the flow or pretending like you're going with the flow and secretly paddling underneath? I love that image. It made me laugh. Are you really going with the flow or pretending like you're going with the flow and secretly paddling underneath? So sometimes in order to identify flow, I ask myself, what would happen if I stopped paddling? Where would the flow actually be taking me? What would happen if I let go of trying so hard to make something happen that I think should be happening? Or let go of trying to hold something together that I think depends so much on me holding it together? What would happen? In the shattering of those pieces, what realer, truer thing is there waiting underneath? I would not recommend asking these questions if you don't really want to know the answers. This is an incredibly frightening and difficult thing to do. And it's not encouraged in a culture that conditions us to believe that so much depends on us, that we are the sole creators of everything, and that we deserve to have whatever it is we think we want, what we think we're here to achieve, what we think will make us happy. Think, think, think being the key tip-off word here. Constantly putting energy toward getting what we think we want, and even at times being successful at getting that, can be the most disappointing thing in the world, especially if the will of the soul isn't also aligned with that. Because, and here's the key thing, the soul, or the deep self, is in tune with the flow of life. As such, it knows what we actually need. It knows where the magic is beyond where we think it is with our logical minds. And that deep soul magic sustains us in ways that the quick fixes of the ego just cannot. Because the ego will only feel good for a moment and then it needs another fix. Ego fixes are not the same as the sustenance that comes from living in deep soulful alignment. Do you know the difference in yourself? Can you withstand the disappointment of your ego to go the way of your soul? Or as David White says, can you let go of what seemed like your best hopes when the tide of life is turning you in another direction? Do you know how to recognize the tide of life? What does it feel like when it shifts, when it turns? Do you know these signs for yourself, the subtle feelings of that shift, those twists and turns and bends? And do you know the feeling of your own resistance to it? Resistance is a natural part of the human makeup. Resistance is usually a sign for me that the elements have shifted, that something new is entering the picture and asking for me to feel around and know what that means. Resistance shows me where to look. And when I know where to look, I can adjust, find the flow. And then I can go in or out with the tide. The truth is, I've really grown to love making these podcast episodes. When I started, I had no idea that it would actually turn into something beyond a few episodes, let alone be something I actually looked forward to doing. 
I was surprised that the magical flow actually met me here for as long as it did. After being really insecure about the technical side of things for the first year, I felt like I was actually coming into my stride with it during year two. And making these episodes was really starting to become satisfying. It was like my best hope for feeling useful and successful with my creative endeavors. And just as suddenly as I was getting comfortable with it, the flow shifted. I don't always know why the flow stops or changes when it does, but I have learned to listen to it. And way sooner than I used to. I no longer need two by fours upside the head for the soul or life to get my attention. I'm much more intimate with both of those things now, so I know how to hear its whispers. And when you know how to hear the whispers, they become the loudest, surest thing. I listen to the whispers of my soul, my body, and of life itself like my life depends on it. Because it does. But even though I'm more finely tuned in my listening now, it still takes time for flow to reveal itself to me. I usually don't know for a while before I know. It still takes some fumbling around to find it, but I'm getting more used to being in that place of uncertainty, being in that place of not knowing so the deeper knowing can arise. So after I got the hint that this podcast had stopped its magical flow, I knew the best thing to do was just set it aside and, and, and see what happened, which always feels a little scary, right? It's like facing the abyss. If I let go of this, then what will I have? Nothing? Empty hands again? Ah! It's always a bit difficult to let go of what isn't working, what's expired and not flowing anymore, because the first thing we do face is the nothingness. I've always loved the analogy of swinging on the monkey bars on the playground. You're swinging from one bar to the next, and in order to grab the next bar, you have to let go of the one you've been clinging to. And before your hand grips the next one, there is this moment, this tiny half-breath of a moment, where you're holding on to nothing at all. It's a microscopic moment in the scheme of things, but it feels like eternity when you're in it. It feels like eternity to the insecure, crumbling ego self. But it's what's required to move forward. Which is probably why it's so hard to really go with the flow. It feels like we're continually being pushed out of the nest. Continually facing yet another unknown. Continually unsure of what might happen next. It takes a lot of guts to navigate this way to truly partner with the flow of life because we can't control it. But I've also noticed that it's not just guts. It's not just courage. It also takes going through a certain amount of alchemy to mature ourselves enough to be able to do it. We can't just do it on our own, out of willpower alone. We need the help of the fire, the flood, the air, the darkness, the endless distillation, because all of those things develop us enough to be able to partner with the unknown. To be able to ask the hard questions and really accept the answers. Not just hear the answers, but live them. Those hard questions of, what is this season of life pointing me toward now? What is this season of life telling me it's time to live? Where is the tide of life taking me now? This is not the time for everything. So what is this the time for? What is this the season for? Even if I want it to be something else. The hard and hopeful thing I've discovered 
is that flow is like water. It doesn't stay in the same place all the time, but it doesn't disappear either. It changes forms. Even when water evaporates, it forms clouds. It still exists. Water is always somewhere and flow is always somewhere. It might not be where I want it to be or where I've grown to depend on it being, but it is somewhere. So if it's somewhere, the question to me is, where is it? We, we may continue to feel stuck or blocked if we try to get it to be where we want it to be. But that feeling of feeling stuck or blocked to me means look for the flow somewhere else. But I will add a caveat here. When you're in the dark night of a spirit or the latter stages of distillation, which is the final stages of all the stages of transformation that you go through, through alchemy, when you're in those stages The flow you're going to find is absolute no flow in every fucking direction. It's one of the most maddening things. So I had to add that in here because it's not just like, oh, flow somewhere and you're not finding it. No, sometimes flow is nowhere and that's the flow. And that's really hard to live. Finding the flow nowhere is an initiation into being able to find and work with flow however it comes wherever it is. But first, that initiation might drive you absolutely fucking mad. Anyway, I've had some practice with this. So when I felt the shift in the flow with this podcast, I asked, okay, where is the actual flow? Where is my actual soul energy pulling me toward? Where am I being pointed toward? Where am I being shown to look? And the truth is, I've had a huge shift in life circumstances due to a sudden change in my partner's job situation earlier this summer. It required us to uproot ourselves, travel to a new place every few weeks for his job assignments, and look for a new place to call home in the meantime. And we're still in the middle of this huge, exhausting, beautiful, rather unsayable endeavor, and it requires most of my time and energy. It is my main soul work at the moment. In addition to that, flow has been happening with work on my new book, which is not a side effort for me. It's not an afterthought. It's a pretty consuming endeavor that requires deep dives and journeying in altered states often to excavate, distill, and deliver a finished chapter. It, t- it really takes a lot of my energy. Which brings me to a couple points I'm trying to make. Answering the true call of your soul, following flow where it is actually taking you, showing up for what life is asking you to show up for, will always cost something. It costs our best laid plans and hopes for things. It costs us our preconceived notions. It costs the ego its immediate satisfaction because so often, this is a tough one, but so often, The work of the soul is so much more quiet and unseen. It's not immediately satisfying to the ego. It requires a lot of time. It requires a lot of silence and darkness and mystery to unfurl. It happens in our inner multitudes first. So while it's happening, it's often unsayable. And so much of it goes unnoticed. If you can withstand the disappointment of your ego in the meantime... You can live the wild dream of your soul. 
If you can withstand the disappointment of your ego, you can live the wild dream of your soul. The wild will of the soul cannot be preconceived or guessed with our conscious minds. It's something we excavate, discover, and receive based on the flow of life. It's the unconscious continually made conscious every step we go. That's why we can't just boldly go forth creating whatever we think we want based on our hearts or based on what our conscious minds see and perceive. We don't even know what's missing from that picture until life, the mystery, the soul brings it to us in real-time flow. And it's a practice learning to make room for that wild flow because the ego constantly has to adjust and let go. Our best hopes and dreams are constantly being plowed under into the rich soil of the soul. As hard as it is to adjust the ego sometimes, especially the ego that latches onto our most worthy and holy aspirations and endeavors, the most enlightened versions of our dreams, hey, it takes the dark night of the spirit for the ego to detach from those ones. Letting go of our best laid plans and hopes and dreams to receive the mystery as it unfolds. To place our hope not only in what we can see and conceive, but in what we can't yet know or see, is actually a very hopeful thing. Because the thing about our best hopes is just that. They're only our best hopes and nothing more. They're only what we could hope for with our conscious mind. But the unconscious, the dreaming body... The dreams of the soul, they hold more than we can hope for. We box ourselves in sometimes with our biggest hopes and dreams. Even our wildest imaginings will be too small for us to live if we want to live in alignment with the soul. Consider the weight and the freedom of that. Even your wildest imaginings might be too small for you to live. If that's true, then letting go of preconceived hopes as needed to stay aligned with life and the flow holds an even bigger hope. The hope beyond hope. Or as Rumi says, the secret medicine reserved for those who hurt so hard they can't hope. The hope for those who hurt so hard they can't hope. You know, it took me a while to feel grateful that my life had fallen into that category It has been years now of working with my perpetually sad, disgruntled, and disappointed ego self to continually make room for the deeper flow. Believe me, my ego is almost always disgruntled and disappointed. I'm learning to work better with it now. Perhaps the soul is like a river, and the ego is like the riverbanks, allowing themselves to be worn down and dissolved at all the right places, at all the right bends and times, so the river can keep flowing to its reunion with the sea. I like that metaphor. This being human, it's such a wild thing. To be the river, the riverbanks, the journey to and the belonging with the sea all at the same time, to be that ego and the soul, Making that journey together, what a ride. What a ride, this being here and being alive. Friends, thank you once again for tuning in. I'll be back in this space when I'm back in this space. I do still have more episodes I'd love to make and some things I'd love to share here, so I'm keeping this space open for now. 
Perhaps I'll be able to dip back in here from time to time when a window of flow opens and my energy allows for it. I am hopeful about that, hopeful and surrendered at the same time, which I suppose is the whole point. With alchemy, it's never about one or the other. It's always both. I have hopes and desires because I'm human. And I surrender my best hopes and desires to receive what I know I can't yet see because I'm also human. In the meantime, feel free to find me regularly sharing my words on Twitter or Instagram. I welcome messages there or via email at mccallerickson at gmail.com if you have any questions about the alchemical path or if you just want to say hello. I do love hearing from you. Until next time, be well in soul. With love and gentle respect for the ego that takes all the hits to make room for more and more souls.